straight out of Austin, Texas. It's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 279, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. Cedric Golden here with the Duck, Kirk Bowles. And Duck, I know that a lot of our listeners and viewers watch this and listen to this during the breakfast hour. So we're going to give you a big old glass of Sunny D to wash it down. <laughs> Sonny Dykes, head coach of TCU, joining us. The Horned Frogs are number four in the country, and they're coming to Austin. 6.30 meeting with the Texas Longhorns. Huge Big 12 implications. Sonny, how are you today? I'm good, Cedric. Hey, I appreciate the introduction, man. That was good. It was good stuff. <laughs> Feel free to use it as your promo, okay? So, so kind of been a whirlwind uh, 12 months for you. I'm sure you expected to be 9-0 and when uh, number four in the country, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was that was we, we knew coming in that all these these nine first games were going to be easy wins for us. So <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been it's been fun. I mean, look as you said. I mean, when you, when you take a job someplace, you know, there's a lot of unknown, um, a lot of a lot of things you got to try to figure out. Is um, and we, we we laugh about it all the time. You know, you're flying the plane when you're building it. And that's part of the <laughs> program. Is it's just, you know, you got to get going and you got to get going as fast as you can. And then um, you just got to kind of make it up as you go along in some ways. But um, but it's been a good 12 months. I mean, TCU is a really good place. You know, I, I was fortunate to have been here uh, with Coach Patterson in 2017. So I, I understood, you know, how good this place was potentially. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for us, it starts with alignment from our chancellor and our athletic director and, and kind of goes down from there. And so it's a really great place to go to work. Um, I've been really pleasantly surprised with how quickly our players have you know, jumped in and, and done everything we've asked them to do. Um, there were very few guys that stuck their toe in the water. I mean, really from day one, you know, they jumped in and that's that transition went a lot more smoothly than I think it, uh, than we thought it would. Um, and so, you know, we, we've played pretty well up to this point. We've got some big challenges in front of us, but it's been a fun 12 months and, um, and I'm excited about our future. Well, did uh, I'm sure I hope TCU paid your exorbitant travel expenses to move all the way to Fort Worth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's funny is uh, I'm still trying to get my moving check from California to TCU <laughs> from Del Conte. So be sure if you see Chris, tell him I'm still waiting for that. Good and, uh, luck with the, good luck with that one. Yeah, because <laughs> that was a whole lot more expensive move than this move was down down the street. So it, yeah, this was an easy one. That other one was not so easy and, and was not cheap. He cashes checks. He don't like writing them. I, I know you know what? Him. I learned that. Yeah. Know that about Chris. <laughs> you know him well. Uh, you talked about none of your players just dipping their toe in the water. How much of that had to do with, with your reputation in the Metroplex, in the state, your pedigree, uh, you know, J.J. Richardson, uh, Pierce High School, uh, how much of it had to do with all of that? Oh, you know, I think, honestly, probably not much. I mean, I think that, you know, I think it was more 
kind of their character. I think it was more their uh, hunger to win. And then I think, honestly, our, our strength and conditioning coach, Kaz Kazadi, and our strength and conditioning program was probably, honestly, had as much to do with that as anything else. Because, you know, when you get a job someplace, you're hiring a staff and you're going recruiting and you're doing all these things. And basically your strength coach is, is meeting with your players every day and trying to get to know those guys and, and really trying to sell them on the vision of the program. And, you know, I think we got the best strength coach in, in college athletics. I think he's unbelievable. And I think he, you know, connected with our players and, you know, and, and we talked about really trying to, to have a, a holistic approach, you know, from rest and recovery to nutrition, to obviously strength and conditioning development, to, on the field development to leadership training and development. And so, you know, I think the guys were hungry to be pushed and to be challenged. And, and uh, I think cause, you know, did a great job of laying out our culture and, and the players did a even better job of buying in. So that, that's what I think has made the transition so much easier maybe than we expected. Well, it's so good to have you back in Texas where you belong. I, I, you know, I don't know. I think of Sonny Dykes, Spike Dykes and Cal Berkeley and somehow it doesn't mesh, mesh quite that way. I don't know if they spoke your language, you know, out in California or not, but that had to be a huge adjustment. You know what? It was, it was, it was, um, you know, I had a, I had an itch in a weird sort of way. I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of, I like an adventure. I really do. I like that, to, uh, to probably step outside of my comfort zone more than I should in terms of, you know, knowing what's good for me and knowing what's not. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I loved, I, you know, I loved being there. It's a very unique place. It's a, it's a place that has a, an incredible history. You know, I'd walk in buildings there and it was amazing because, you know, you'd walk over to campus and you'd say, okay, they, they split the atom here for the very first time, you know, and then you could go into a next building and, you know, you, you, all these incredible things would have happened there. And you just went from one place to the other place and you met a lot of interesting people. Um, and it's, it's one of those places that, you know, has a has a, a strong football tradition. You know, it just it goes back further than you wanted it to. And so, anyway, it's, it's it's a very unique place. But it was challenging. It's a challenging place to be the football to be the football coach, especially in today's world. I think it's just it was just hard. And I probably wasn't the right guy for the job. Um, you know, probably wasn't a great fit. And I think I learned a lot about how important fit is. And I think it's it's allowed me to to make some good decisions, not only when it comes to my career, but also you know, recruiting players and retaining players and recruiting coaches and retaining coaches and all those type of things. So it was a really good learning experience for me and, um, you know, and, and kind of got me to TCU in a, in a weird sort of way. And, and I, had I not been here in 2017, I don't think I'd be here today. And so it's funny the way things happen in life. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to go through something to kind of get where you want to go. And, and I think uh, that experience certainly taught me a lot. And, and, you know, help get me where I am today. Three seasons at La Tech, four seasons at Berkeley, four full seasons at SMU, and, and you got it going. Um, got to ask you about Max Duggan. Uh, we in Austin are no strangers to Max Duggan. He's gotten after the Longhorns in the past. He lost the starting job to, Ch- to Chad Morris's son Chandler in the preseason, but Chandler gets hurt. And, and Max gets in there, and he's been putting up All-American numbers. What? How big was that in the locker room from a guy who already had the respect of his teammates? And what lessons do, does that give to the younger ones who may have also lost out on jobs but 
they see an old guy who was at the ready and answered the yeah. call? Yeah, you know, I think, weirdly enough, I think that the way this thing played out was probably really good for, for our football team. You know, I think it was hard on Max, obviously. I think it's hard, you know, when you care about a place like Max cares about TCU and you invest everything you had into to being the starting quarterback and into being a good player and into to making the team successful and it doesn't go that way, it's hard. You know, it's hard because you do feel like you've given so much. Um, but the great thing about Max is, you know, he never blinked. You know, we, we had a conversation with him. I'll never forget. I met with him. I said, here's what's going to happen. Uh, this always happens. I said, you know, you're going to have an opportunity at some point. Um, and I told him a little bit about when I was coaching at Arizona, we picked a young guy over Nick Foles. And, you know, the second game of the season, uh, or actually third game of the season, uh, you know, we put Nick in the game and then Nick went on to, to be the quarterback and, uh, had a tremendous success and went on to become Nick Foles, you know, Super Bowl MVP. And so, you know, sometimes as coaches, you know, you make decisions and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But but it seems like as long as you continue to to invest and do things the right way, and 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 Max certainly did. You know, he never blinked. He never had a bad practice. He never pouted. He never um, complained. He just he he just accepted his role and. You know, I think he probably knew at some point I'm going to get a chance. And when I do get this chance, by gosh, I'm going to be ready. And then he was. And he took it and ran with it. And, and here we are today. And, and I think he's having his best season and um, and is getting starting to get a lot of accolades. And he certainly deserves them all. And and But it does come down to, to truly his attitude. Because, you know, you know how many people, young people today, especially when, when they hear bad news, the first thing they're trying to do is get on the phone and, and find a way to make it easier and transfer and whatever. And Max certainly could have done that. And he loved his teammates. He loved TCU. He elected to stay here. And and uh, and it certainly has worked out the way it's supposed to. He's kind of the the poster boy for the anti-transfer portal, you know. Yeah, yeah, he really is. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think again, I I think that's what's. I, I'm a fan of the transfer portal in, ter- in terms of giving guys second opportunities, but I do think, you know, Max Duggan is certainly. Um, certainly the cautionary tale in terms of jumping in the portal. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, you go back and you look at decisions sometimes young people make, and it's hard not to do that, but mm-hmm. it's certainly worked for Max. And I think that, you know, Max has a really bright future. And, you know, I think that even though he's been around for a while, I think he's just starting to, to reach his potential. And I think you're still a lot more of uh, Max Duggan. And, and I think you're going to see a better, better player as the season goes along. Why didn't he mention it as a Heisman candidate right now? I mean, 24 yeah, touchdowns. That's a good question. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I think, you know, I think some lad has to do with, you know, big brands and all that. And, you know, when's the last time somebody from a, a not a big brand won the Heisman trophy? So I almost think that, you know, I almost think that there's probably six or seven schools where you say, what's going to be one of these guys? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who, the, who it is, it's going to be more from the school than it is the, yeah. the person, you know? Well, yeah, can't think, say you don't I mean, win enough. Yeah, he's, he's <clears throat> more than deserving. And as long as you guys keep winning, they're not going to be able to deny Max. Um, you run the table, he's going to be in New York City. That's that. Yeah, yeah I hope so. You run the t- – I mean, he keeps putting up these votes even if you don't run the table. I mean, he's mm-hmm. – oh, you're talking to two Heisman voters here, and we, we don't look at brands. We look at players, and um, he's big time. He's been big time this season. Mm-hmm. He really good, good, yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I think – I think, you know, sometimes it's like anything else, you, especially when you kind of are off the off the radar a little bit, it takes a little time to get on the radar. And then it's like anything else. You've got to have, 
you know, you got to perform big in some big games. And, and uh, you know, Max has certainly done that up to this point, and he'll have opportunities to do that moving forward. You mentioned Gary Patterson. You were on his staff as an offensive analyst for uh, well, just the one year, right, in 2017. You know, I don't know where Gary is now. I've lost track of him. I got a pretty good idea where he is. <laughs> I don't – you know, we tried to get straight answers out of them. What can Gary do? What can he not do? And they kept saying, well, he can't coach. He can be in meetings, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Do you expect him to have a big – impact on this game with his knowledge of your roster oh for sure yeah for sure i mean gary's you know gary's one of the best defensive coaches i believe in college football history i think all you gotta do is look at the results they had at tcu here for forever and right um, and so you know they've got a lot of good coaches there at texas but they would certainly uh be crazy not to 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 lean on gary and to get insight from gary and i'm sure they're, they're doing that i mean that's the great thing about that coaching staff is they've got they got a lot of experienced guys. You know, I went against Pete uh, when I was the head coach at Cal, and Pete was the D coordinator at nice. Washington. And right. They had some right. of the – they were the best defenses we faced year in, year out, uh, those mm-hmm. Washington defenses were. And so, you know, a lot of really good coaches on that staff, and I'm sure that those guys are working together, and I'm sure they'll have a great game plan for us. Did you go against Sark? Have you gone against yeah, him? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I have gone against Sark. I went against Sark when I was a coordinator at – at uh, Arizona, and he was at Washington, and then when he was at, at SC as well. Gotcha. Well, they, they've been just the study in contrast from y'all. You guys may be the ultimate second-half team, you know, come back from big deficits, and Texas has been a first-half fast-starting team and has struggled in the second half. How, how does that dynamic work? Something's got to give there. <clears throat> yeah, that's. I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting matchup, you know, going into this game. It's just going to be – you know, we're going to have to start faster than we, than we have up to this point. And certainly, um, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to kind of feel our way through the first half like we have done for a number of weeks. Otherwise, we'll be too far behind to, to be able to, to, to make much hay in the second half. So, you know, we're going to have to start faster than, than we have. Um, but I do love the way our guys finish. And I do think that that's kind of a testament, uh, you know, to our toughness and uh, to our, our, our physical training and preparation. And, and our guys – you know, they seem like they get more comfortable in the second half. It just seems like we, you know, we have gotten on our heels a little bit at times in the first half, but the guys regroup in the second half. And, you know, Joe Gillespie, our defensive coordinator, I think makes some really exceptional adjustments at halftime. And the guys, you know, come out in the second half and it played well for us, particularly mm-hmm. defensively. And so that's allowed us to, to get back in some games and win some games. But again, we haven't faced too many offenses like the, the Texas offense. So we're going to have to play better from the get-go. Well, I know people in Austin uh, talk about Bijan Robinson, and he's he's a Heisman Trophy candidate. But you've got a big bull by the name of Kendra Miller, six 100-yard games, averaging six and a half yards a carry, already over a thousand yards. Just a, uh, I'm a running back guy, so this is a showcase of great running backs. If you could tell our our listeners. Uh, what kind of contributions does Kendra Miller make? Um, we see the explosiveness, but what what else can you tell us about Kendra? Well, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, the way we finish games. And I think if you look at Kendra, and I think Kendra's the, the best example of it, I mean, he just starts to wear on people in the second half of games. It certainly happened Saturday against, um, against Texas Tech. You know, we didn't run the ball particularly well in the first half. And then as, as we got in the second half, 
the the back end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, you know, Kendra just gets stronger. You know, he's able to, to close games out as well as any running back I've been around. And, you know, I think our offensive line is physical and those guys, you know, just kept kept kind of pounding away and chipping away and Kendra kept chipping away. And all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden those two or three yard games start to become seven, eight yard gains. And then they become, you know, 10 or 12 yard gains, you know, later in the fourth quarter. And, and I think that's allowed us to, to make these comebacks. It's just that physical, um, a physical presence that Kendra has and runs with. And, and uh, you know, he finishes runs really well. He's got exceptional balance. He's got good, good speed. He's good in the open field. Uh, but his biggest attribute is just, you know, he's just tough. You know, he's tough and, and he never stops. He's just kind of relentless when he's got his hands on the football. And so, um, you know, he's been a he's been a big part of that those second half surges that we've made so far this season. Hmm. And your wide receiver Quentin Johnson, one of the best in the country. His health has been in question. Barely played last week. Uh, what, what do you? Yeah, yeah, to- yeah, yeah. We kind of thought he was going to play last week. Got got into the game and got got uh, rolled up a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where Quentin was like, "Yeah, I think I can go," and we just felt like, "Look, it's going to be better to better to get him well and to try to." To, to look at the big picture stuff with Quentin than it was to, mm-hmm. to play him this past week. So he, uh, we gave him the day off today. I think he will practice tomorrow, full practice. And we anticipate having him uh, Saturday, but, you know, we'll kind of see how, how the week progresses. How, how good is he of all the receivers you've coached? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, he's, he's really uniquely talented. He's got a, he's, he's a big guy that's got really, really good speed, but he's, what he's got is, is explosiveness and lateral explosiveness that typically someone with his size uh, doesn't have. You know, normally when you're talking about athletes, normally they have great quickness or great speed. Very seldom do they have both. Mm-hmm. And Quentin actually has both, you know, in, in, in a big frame as well. And so he's a real unique athlete. He's um, he's a great kid. I mean, he's one of our captains, uh, incredibly unselfish guy, great leader uh, for our team. And um, you know, he's just one of those guys that when you have him out there, uh, you know, he, he draws a lot of attention and he's a guy that can get you, get you out of some bad situations. Yeah. He was uh, a just, commitment to Texas at one time. And then Gary stole him away. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know, I, need to, I didn't, th- I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, he did. That's, that was a heck of a recruiting job. Uh, <laughs> he's a, he's a really unique athlete. I think the same thing. I think Quentin's best football is still in front of him. Yeah. Well, you're Definitely. facing the Texas offense that's led by a, a dynamic running back in B. John Robinson, and he just took over the game last week. Uh, Ed K. State amid their second half struggles. Um, the court, the quarterback Quinn Ewers has had his ups and downs. He's a tremendous arm talent, but he's young. Um, when you see him on film, what kind of what kind of problems does he present with this passing game? Well, going back to B. John, I mean, I think. I think Bijan's, you know, probably the best college running back maybe I've seen since Adrian Peterson or something that I've played against. Wow. Um, wow. You know, I think he's – I just think he's really good. And I think he's a complete package. You know, it's he's got size and speed and strength and, and lateral quickness and, and he okay. catches the ball well. He, he runs good routes. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just got a good understanding of how the game's supposed to be played. So, I really do think he's one of the best. I think Roshan Johnson's – really good as well i mean i think he's i think they've got two exceptional running backs um and then you know you ask about yours i mean obviously you know i had a chance to see a lot of quinn years when he was at south lake carroll and 
watched him play. I was uh, not too far from from that campus and just down the road at SMU. And so, you know, saw what kind of talent he has and, and you know, watched him practice and play a bunch through the years. And he's a, you know, very, very talented guy. And you can see why, you know, he had the um, number of schools that recruited him. You can see why he had all the – everybody in the world was after him. And, you know, he's just one of those guys that can do it all. I mean, he's got a big arm. Uh, you know, he also understands – you know, when to take a little bit off and, and, you know, just has the savvy that the great quarterbacks have uh, in addition to, you know, to, to the physical gifts that they have to have as well. So, you know, he's young. Uh, he's like, he's like most young quarterbacks. I mean, he's, he's um, very, very good at times and has made a couple of mistakes here and there, but the great thing about Quinn is he gets better every week. And you see, mm-hmm. you, know, you can really see him get more comfortable in, in the scheme and what they're doing. And, um, you know, and I think, uh, is playing his best football right now, without a doubt. Yeah, he's, I guess, made six starts already. And, and guys like Spencer Sanders, Max Duggan, Adrian Martinez, you know, a lot of experience there. So, like you said, that's, you know, that's what quarterbacks have to go through. Obviously. It is, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you are or what you are. I mean, very seldom do you see, you know, yeah. the, the great ones transition from, from high school to college easily or from college to the NFL. I mean, there's just a, there's just a process that you have to go through. And, the good thing is you want to start with a guy like Quinn that, that has all the all the gifts and talent yeah. that you have, you know. Yeah, I was uh, said, I don't know, you, you don't remember this, but 1976, uh, Sonny's dad, Spike, was uh, on, on Daryl Roll's staff. And uh, I remember it like it was yesterday, Sonny, where, you know, they all thought, thought Mike Campbell was going to get the job and yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't get it. And I don't know, were you even born then? I don't know. I was, yeah. No, I was, you know, it's funny, Kirk, because I've got, one of my earliest memories of Texas football was um, being in the locker room when Daryl retired. Uh, you know, my dad, you know, my dad was old school. So we didn't go in the locker room and that kind of stuff and didn't come right. to practice for that. But I'll never forget my mom saying, Hey, you know, Spike wants you in the locker room. And so mm-hmm. going in there and, and even at six years old going, something's going on here. I don't know what's going on, but something's, <laughs> something's unusual. <laughs> so I was I was there that day. Daryl told the team, and um, and that was like I said, one of my first memories of, of Texas football. Yeah, that was that was my first year on the beat. And when Mike Campbell didn't get that job, you know, a couple weeks later, it was like a death in the family. It was just so yeah sad. And and your dad- yeah yeah I know I know I mean my dad loved Mike Campbell. I mean he certainly thought the world of Mike, yeah. and I think um, you know I think it broke a lot of people's hearts. But but yeah. obviously uh, you know Coach Akers did a great job and it yeah. worked out the way it was supposed to. Yeah, and I do know when, when Texas was looking for a job a couple of years ago, your name came up, and I know you and Chris Del Conte had conversations, and we kind of seemed to headed down that path. How do you feel how that played out, and and did you kind of dream about what if? Oh, you know, I, th- I think that's that's the way this stuff goes sometimes in, in college athletics. I mean, you know, anytime there's a job, there's always going to be, you know, half a dozen names that make sense, and and. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so it's like anything else. I'm a big believer that things work out the way they're supposed to. And, and I think the big thing you have to do is you just got to go. You just, just got to believe and you got to go through the process. And, and, you know, I think you're always going to end up where you're supposed to. And I'm lucky to be here at TCU and was really fortunate to, to get the job at SMU, you know, kind of after a, a bad experience at Cal. And, and, you know, and I think I probably wouldn't have got that opportunity at SMU had it not been for Gary Patterson hiring me here at TCU. And so, Gary's always been really good to me and, and, um, and, you know, and I appreciate, you know, having a chance to be here and try to continue 
um, you know, what Gary started at TCU because he certainly built this place into a, into a great football program. And you know, we're hoping to have the same kind of success he did while he was here. Yeah, well, you and your dad are like coaching royalty in this state as far as I'm concerned. And it's just well, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, sometimes well, I chuckle when somebody says that about me. I, You know how it is. You kind of – I still think of myself as a little – as a young kid. And, heck, I'm 52 years old. Sometimes I got to, you know, <laughs> I got to act a little bit older sometimes, a little more responsible. <laughs> and, uh, don't do that. Don't do that. We don't be a, lot, that. be a whole lot less fun. <laughs> be a whole lot less fun. Last one for me. Um, you got so so much on the line that's even more so than the Big Twelve title. You guys are you're you're on big game. You're after a CFP berth, and you're number four right now. ESPN Game Day is going to be on campus with uh, Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreet, friends of the podcast, I might add. How are you, your guys handling all of this extra attention, knowing that the whole country is going to have his eyes tuned in to this game coming up on Saturday? Yeah, you know what's been fun about this team is I think, you know, I think our expectations in the beginning were so low that, you know, I think we were picked seventh, maybe eighth in the in the – you know, preseason, uh, you know, big 12 rankings. And so, you know, we kind of started out without having a lot of expectations and the guys just kept improving and kept building and kept believing. And we've had this kind of one grain at a time, one day at a time approach. And I think, you know, we're going to continue to do the same thing. I think, you know, big games like this are a reward, you know, it's a reward for, for having some success. Um, but it can't really change your mindset at all. I mean, we're going to, have to do the same thing that we've done up to this point and you know it's like we say all the time we, we we ignored the people that said we were you know seventh or eighth in the league let's ignore the people that that are telling us how great we are as well we understand that you know that we have to just go out there and and really prepare well during the week do everything we can to to have a chance to squeeze every drop out of our performance on on saturday night and just keep putting money in the bank so we can take it out Take it out. It's it's seven thirty Saturday, and so that's or six thirty Saturday. So that's the plan, you know, is to just kind of ignore the ignore the good stuff, ignore the bad stuff, focus on stuff you can control, and that's you know your preparation and and doing the little things right. That's going to give you a chance to play well Saturday, and then go uh, go try to play your best and, and do it again the next week. And you know, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting matchup. I think it's two good football teams. It's going to be a a great environment, um, but. You know, when the ball gets snapped, none of that stuff matters. The mm-hmm. only thing that matters is, you know, guys playing really hard and guys doing their job um, and, you know, and doing it for the, their teammates and the guys next to them. And if you do that, then, you know, and we play well, we think we're good enough to, to have a chance to win the game. So we're excited about it. Yeah, let's stay calm and enjoy the journey. Like you said, don't grow up. You know, that's – Yeah, that's, you don't want to do that. No, don't do that. Stay don't take, grow don't up. People who grow up end up dying. Seriously. We don't want to die. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think the minute you take yourself too seriously is when you got problems. Absolutely. Right. Have fun. You and your dad always had fun. So, man, we appreciate it so much. You know, Sonny, to me, you, Lance Lipo, Josh Hypo, you are all national coach of the years this year and a fantastic job. And but we appreciate you visiting with us. All right, Kirk, Cedric, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Good to see you all as always. And I'll see you Saturday. Good okay. luck, sir. Thank you. Okay, y'all take That's care. Appreciate it. Okay. Y'all be good. On second thought. Doug Sunny D, man, just brought it. Just brought it. Um, so grounded, so 
just, just such a pro. He, he's been through it. He's won. He's lost. And it's kind of good to see him having some success in his fourth stop. Yeah, he's he's really matured as a coach, too. I was talking to uh, a couple of media members Monday about him. And uh, I think when in his early stages, I think he was a little bit like Joey McGuire at Tech, you know, kind of uh, full of vinegar. And, you know, Joey McGuire is just now being a head coach on the college level, you know, and he's going for a fourth down his own half of the field and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of the way Sonny was early. And, mm, you know, sometimes you think you kind of reinvent the wheel a little bit. And I think he's kind of grown up, matured in the job. And like he said, being at TCU for a year under Gary Patterson helped him and said he probably wouldn't be at TCU without that year. So, yeah, he's he's a very impressive coach, no question. And, you know, I love his personality, known his family forever. Well, his counterpart – Let's just keep it 100. He needs this win a whole lot more than Sonny Dykes needs it. And Sonny's trying to get to to rarefied air. Yeah, he um, is. Which is CFP. But even if they lose, the TCU Horn Frogs are going to be in the Big 12 title game. I am absolutely convinced of that. All you got to do is win one game. Just got to win one win. more. Just got to yeah. win one more. So, but the Longhorn's going to have to keep – banking wins or they're not going to get in and there's a there's a log jam behind tcu texas wins out texas gets the jerry world that's a big if and uh first of all this isn't even possible if they don't go to the little apple and take care of business against a very very uh gutty gritty kansas state team and now they've opened the door for special things to happen in the five one two, the question is, Duck, are they ready? Well, and, and are they ready? And and do do people trust them? And do they trust themselves? Because you know, being in that press box, and I, I think you were probably back from A and M and watching on TV. Absolutely, I'm watching that first half, Cedric, and I'm going, "Wow, this is how Sark envisioned his program." Clicking on all offensive cylinders, defensive, being aggressive, swarm tackling, bend a little bit, but don't break. I mean, you're up 31 to 10. They're in total command. And that's the difference between this team and a Georgia, uh, Clemson, those types of Ohio State. Those teams get ahead like that and then just bury them. They it's put, over. Put it's their over. foot in the throat and – that was a game they should have won 48 to 24 or something. But I don't know what it is in the second half, but you can feel it. You can feel it in the press box in the stadium that here we go again. And the players, I think they get a little uptight. And, and a lot of that may have to do with confidence in the coaching staff, Sid. But it keeps reoccurring. I mean, they've had – a field goal in the second half against K-State. A field goal in the second half against Oklahoma State when you were there. Two field goals against Texas Tech and Lubbock. And why does this keep happening? Is there some fundamental flaw? I don't know, man, but I was looking at some second-half stats on TeamRankings.com, and it was staggering. TCU's averaging 19.9 points in the second half this Hell season. Done. Hell uh, done. Only four teams in college football are averaging more and better yet, the Frogs are averaging 21 and a half 
second half points on the road, Doug. So they're playing some of their best second half ball away yeah. from the Carter. So yeah. uh, Texas, on the on the other hand, over the last three games, five point three points in the second Yikes. half. Yikes! That is not going to cut the mustard against quality against a team like this. Oh. It's not. They get run out of the stadium if they play like that. If they if they can get if you know, the the thing that will scare the bejeevous out of me, Duck, is if they don't have a big first half. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? Yeah. So they've been great out of the gate. I mean, they're like a track star whose coach puts him in mm-hmm. the quarter, but he's but he's really a two hundred meter man, and. The two, the, he's leading big after two hundred, but then they, but then they get him on that turn, and it's and it's over on that back straight straight away. So for me, they got to figure it out. They got to figure it out, and um, I'm interested. I mean, on how they're going to handle this little piece of success on the road. To that end, I had this exchange with Sarkeesian. Hey, Steve, um, you guys are in charge of your own destiny with that win. Um, What were the meetings like with the guys over the weekend, um, knowing that they've overcame a mental hurdle and built some confidence with a win on the road? The the meetings are more about, you know, we're not done yet. You know, I I think one of the things that naturally can happen is this giant sigh of relief, like, hey, we we overcame that, and now we can relax. Uh, We've got more work to do, and – I think our guys recognize that they're hungry. Um, it's it's always good when you get a win like that, and then here comes a top five team coming in uh, to your own stadium on a Saturday night, who's in first place in your league, to get your attention quickly. You know, it didn't take long for them to recognize and to flip the switch and to get on to the next. So, um, I think our guys are going to you know prepare really well. I think they saw a lot of value. Uh, in their preparation last week, not only in meetings, but on the practice field and the recovery. Uh, and we're going to need that again this week as we get ready to play. So, Doug, he is very cognizant of, of, of expectations and what can happen if you start to f- think that you've got to figure it out. I, I like uh, the thing I like about Sark is he's a station to station type of coach, but he's going to have to look inward and figure out why they aren't closing out these games. Like like a big time program supposed to close them out. If you can get up thirty one ten, there's no reason you shouldn't win forty five twenty one. Yeah, they got a little lucky. It was horrible clock management by Chris Kleiman and K State. They let so much time get away, and you know, like I said, this is a recurring problem. It, it it's not a two week problem or three week problem. It's been a two year problem, and more than not, it's bitten them in the butt. You know. And, and part of me said, I don't know if you subscribe to this or not, part of it gets to be where the players are sick of it and saying, no, this stops now. They got to take ownership. They, and maybe, said, maybe they don't have enough Bijans or Roshan Johnsons or Jalen Fours. Maybe they still have too many young players that are like, oh, God, I don't know if I don't catch this pass, you know. And you don't play with confidence. You don't play as fast. And instinctually, uh, as as you may do when there's less pressure, and it, it, all the pressure is really on Texas. Absolutely, I mean, TCU's TCU been playing with house money. This is house money. Absolutely, I said the narrow. They are 
They, they know, and I hope they don't come in here fat and happy. I hope they come in hungry, and I hope we get a classic. Yeah. But if they lose, they're still going to be 9-1. and one. Mm-hmm. And, and they're still going to be what in conference? They, they play one less. They're going to be 5-1 and one in the yeah. Big 12. Yeah. Great shape. And they go to Waco. They go to Waco next week. So, yeah, so they, they it would behoove them to get to. If you're TCU, you're like, man, you got to take care, take care of Texas, and we're in for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and and whatever ever happens in Waco happens in Waco. But the fact that they are playing for for big game, the fact that they're playing for a CFP bid, mm-hmm. when yeah. they know these big dogs are going to like Ohio State and Michigan going to play this year, duck. Mm-hmm. They're going to play, and Alabama's going to try to spoil. Um, they're going to try to spoil that that Georgia party, you know. Mm-hmm. You know they are, and so uh, there's there, there's a pathway for the frogs to make it. Well, it helped. It, it helped that Clemson lost. It, it, it helped that huge that Clemson lost. lost big because you know that hurts them a little. It hurt. It helps that Ohio State struggled, you know, against lowly Northwestern. So. You know, and and you know, they last year, last week they were undefeated, but they came in seventh in the CFP behind once beaten Alabama, which Shocker. had been that impressive. But and the, the only way to get Alabama the hell out of there was for yeah. them to lose again. And they fight that brand name yeah. battle, and Sonny even mentioned that to us, and that people are going to go ah, TCU, and then there the other two strikes against TCU is that. Well, everybody in the league has lost three games or more. So not they go, well, the league's not that good. It's a competitive league. It's not a great league. It it's not. It's a very even. It gets as good a league even-wise that I've ever seen. in the. I mean, there's not a bad team. West Virginia's got a bad record, but they're, they're not. They're capable. No, they're, they're capable. capable. OU's bad this year. OU's capable of Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. So it's – it's uh. But it, it's it's the weirdest thing. You would think all the pressure would be on TCU, you know, because nah. they got so much to lose. Where Texas nah, – Texas trying to get somewhere. Texas trying to build something here. Well, let, let, me ask you this. let me ask you, they're touchdown favorite. Mm-hmm. The, they were favored last week against K-State. What do you make I of I wouldn't the, touch that point spread with a, with a, with a okay. six-and-a-half-foot pole. Have you decided who you're picking? I'm, 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 I've been wrong so many times, Doug. I, I'm actually leaning toward TCU. I actually am. Well, I'm leaning toward Texas because, and here's the reasons why. Just like he answered your question, it's like we can't think we've arrived. We can't go, well, oh, we won on the road. You know, we didn't blow a second-half lead. If they think that way, they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, TCU's not going to give in. But you wonder, one, is TCU kind of ready for maybe a, maybe not a clunker, but maybe it being a little bit off because they, they been are kind of. down 28 to 10 at home exactly. to K-State. So if they're down 28 to 10 to K-State, they can definitely get down in Austin where the Horns play much better at home than they do on the road. You know, they're 8-3 and three at home. One of those losses barely to Alabama. One of those to Kansas where Brendan Scooter just squeezes it. They win that one and go to a bowl game, you know. And then the third game uh, they lost to, who was the third one to? Iowa State, Dicker the Kicker. No, 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 no. Two years ago, yeah. Was the third game was that? Was that last year? Dicker the kicker. No, they they lost that game. But I'm trying to think of the other one. No, that was with Sam, wasn't it? I think I yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 that was with Sam. 
We're talking they about you're talking about well. the, the third loss last year in the Big Twelve. At home. At Their other loss at home. Who beat them here? Gosh. Oklahoma State? Just going blank. Yeah, Oklahoma State on the pick six. Yeah, Oklahoma State. Yeah. You don't throw that pick six. They're hit by what seventeen? Casey Thompson threw the pick. They could have won all three of those very easily, mm-hmm. but you didn't, and you are what your record says you are. So it's, it's, you know, and I've, you know, we've both been all over the place with this Texas team, and you've given me a hard time for trusting them. And, <laughs> and I trusted them last week and picked Texas. Trust them know, again, Duck. I kind of trust them. Man, maybe trust is the wrong word. Maybe I think it. Maybe TCU's kind of due for some bad breaks, and uh, it, it, it'll probably be a heck of a game. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait! It's going to be epic. Six thirty p.m. kickoff. ABC. It, it's the best. I think it's the best uh, game in the country this yeah. weekend, and we're going to be there in the press box and. This time next week we'll be documenting what happened and what and what it all meant. And that's going to do it for episode 279 of On Second Thought. Big thanks to Coach Sonny Dykes of TCU for joining us. For Kirk Bowles, I'm Seth Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.